Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo and welcome to video number 68 and audio season 3, episode 33 of Music Is Not A Genre. Each week I take a release or several from my collection. I discuss them, I give you my take on them, I throw in some interesting tidbits and facts and opinions and I connect them to my music, to other music and to other things in the world. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening and reading and clicking and listening again and reading again and subscribing and sharing, especially sharing. And for anyone who's a Patreon patron, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, The more the merrier. This week, the topic is Death is Dumb, Volume 5, John Lennon, The End Started Here. So if you've been listening to my Death is Dumb series, uh, my mini-series within the larger series, uh, you know that it's basically reflecting on deaths in music that uh, we consider to be tragedies, I would say, whether they're, uh, mostly they're untimely, it's, it's something, some you know, element like that, and to discuss why that matters, how it impacts us, how it maybe even how it impacted the world, how it impacted music and 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 so forth, and uh, this one is the you know, I mean you could say that maybe about others, but for me this is the monster. This is the monster. This is, as I said, it's about John Lennon. For those of you watching, you can see that I have uh, three of his CDs here, just a small selection from his uh, solo output. Uh, that's all I've bought. Now, I've listened to everything, but that's what I've bought. And for those of you who are listening, who can't see, I have here Double Fantasy, Milk and Honey, and the John Lennon Collection, it's called. Just uh, his kind of like a greatest hits thing, um, which has most of, you know, the the, the hits and, and the really, really awesome songs. And, uh, I mean, one of the main reasons that this is kind of the mega for me that I wrote down here that he is the um, patron saint of Death is Dumb, if not the whole reason it started. The whole reason it started, I would say, is because of, uh, well, two things. One is uh, when Adam Schlesinger of Fountains of Wayne and others things died last year uh, unexpectedly. It really was devastating to me. And um, also, way back... Uh, I did a part of one episode on uh, Lou Reed because I was talking about uh, albums that I had from the 1980s uh, collection, a few of them in that episode. And and I don't think I said this on camera, but I wrote it in the text, the phrase death is dumb. And it struck me as, yeah, that's what I'm going for here. That's the whole idea. And, and we talk about why that is. Agree or disagree. 
philosophers, but that's how I'm feeling. And so, yeah, this is a big one for me because the Beatles are still my number one. Um, you know, not just because of how much they've influenced me and the rest of the world, but because of how much I love their music as a listener uh, and, and their depth and breadth. But also because John Lennon died uh, at a time when I was very impressionable, at a time when my, my, that part of my childhood was taken up with music as, you know, was uh, ever after. But my dad being a musician and being into the Beatles from the very beginning uh, of the Beatles uh, had their collection of, of uh, uh, all of their albums on vinyl and we listened to them over and over and over. And throughout the 1970s, there was always talk of a reunion and somebody would show up on somebody else's album and things like that. And I was um, awake. I was a late, uh, I was even, even at that age, I, I, I was 12, uh, I was a night owl. And it was okay with my family to be a night owl because my dad, you know, a musician would be out, you know, to all hours of the morning doing his um, version of a day job. <laughs> And uh, was watching TV when the news broke in and talked about him being shot and you know, eventually dying. And uh, it, it was a sucker punch to the gut, to borrow a phrase from a recent article uh, on Friends, um, but for a different reason. It, re it really is, it awoke the feelings in me that I have been evoking in all of these volumes of Death is Dumb, which is that loss of hope, the loss of the potential future, the loss of more music and all of that stuff and things that I've described. And if I'm able to articulate any of that in any, in any effective way, it's because of what I felt the night that John Lennon died. Um, but because this is such a big, there's a momentous one, you know, not that the deaths of uh, you know, other people I've talked about, uh, the Adam Schlesinger, as I mentioned, Scott Weiland of uh, Stone Temple Pilots, Adam Yalk of the Beastie Boys, MCA, Lane Staley, Allison Chains, and the several more that I have listed uh, for upcoming uh, volumes of Death is Dumb. They're all tragic. They all hit me in some way. That's why I talk about them. There are th thousands of untimely deaths, you know, and just in the music world alone over, over you know, history. I'm not going to talk about all of them, not just because it's um, an unwieldy thing to do, but because they didn't all hit me in the same way. And it doesn't mean they're not tragic, but there are people that I will not talk about that probably their death probably devastated you. And so you can consider who I'm talking about, uh, people whose deaths hit me hard in some way that I felt, that, that I felt. And one of the points I make about this is that Yes, we should mourn all of these deaths. We should mourn, you know, what could have been and all of that. And for example, no Beatles reunion ever, you know, as close as they came with their, those, those mid-90s recordings where they used the ghost of John's voice and some of his piano playing, I believe. Decent, but you know, of course it can't be the real thing. Uh, and we should feel all of that, but we should also uh, celebrate that the reason why this hurts so much is because of how passionate we are about music and the people who create music. And this is one of the reasons why I do all of this, but in particular why I do Death is Dumb, is to talk about the passion to, you know, quote R.E.M., um, 
and this is a perfect time to kind of go more into the general idea of this mini series that I do because and one here's one of the main reasons I don't need to be a historian here mother other people who have researched more than I have who are more obsessive about uh, the details of a person's life story and the history of a, the minutiae of a band and all of that have done a much better job of chronicling John Lennon's life and death than I have and, and I ever will. And I urge you to look up any of that stuff. Books and documentaries and such. Uh, there was one last year when it was the 40th, right? Yeah, 40th anniversary of his death and all of that. Look them all up because the more you know, the better. I may touch on some of that here and there if I get into it. I really don't know. I like kind of flying off the cuff. But the point is, that's not why I'm doing this. I will certainly talk about uh, quite a bit of his music and, and how, you know, uh, uh, why it was so great and uh, how it influenced me and all of that. But as far as the history and the, you know, the death, uh, Mark David Chapman and, and, and all of that, you can find all that out pretty much just by Googling, you know, John Lennon or John Lennon death or whatever it is you want to know about. Uh, so instead, I thought I would devote a portion of this podcast, as I said, to talking about the general idea of this, uh, the Death is Dumb series. And, you know, this is, I don't usually do this uh, quite, I don't, I don't uh, focus quite as much on the written word, the text that I write. I usually leave that as an alternative underneath the video or audio uh, version of this. You may get more information with that. I urge you to read any, if you, if you listen to any of my podcasts, read the text too, because it's something different. It's not a, it's not a transcript, uh, with some very, very few exceptions. But in this case, I do want to kind of look a little bit more at this text because there are some things that I mentioned that I think, you know, uh, would fly really well here on video and audio. Um, and, and that, you know, the main point being, as I mentioned, so many deaths, that, that, you know, in, in music that uh, it, it, it's not uh, pertinent to count them or to talk about all of them. Um, you can go back as far as Franz Schubert or Friedrich Chopin. I mean, stars in their day uh, in different ways died tragically young, you know. And so that's in the mid-19th century. I'm sure you can go back even farther. There, there were deaths, you know, prior to that when you know musicians were stars that were considered tragic. Uh, Mozart might be an, another great example. Um, but even if we're sticking to the, the you know, the 20th and 21st centuries, it's still a pretty damn long list. And pardon me as I pause to tell you that I live here in Astoria, New York City, which is a city. And it has uh, various activities going on, one of which today happens to be construction. So you might hear, hopefully, just some faint, uh, you know, whispers of construction um, devices and things in the background. I apologize for that. Hopefully that uh, you can uh, focus in on my mellifluous tones instead. And um, that won't distract you. Uh, so anyway, 20th, 21st centuries. Just focusing on those, there are a lot of tragic music deaths from the, let's even say from the 1950s on. 
You know, um, you have like it's the first thing that comes to mind and certainly not the first ever as we're talking about. But the first that comes to mind is the big one that the song was written for the day the music died. Bye bye, Miss American Pie. Uh, no offense to anybody, not a favorite song of mine. But there are reasons for that that maybe I'll get into in another podcast or you can ask me and I'll tell you comment. I love to hear your comments. But but it it, it memorialized that day in 1959. When that small charter plane in the middle of a tour uh, with Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper crashed and killed them all. And that was a huge thing. These, these stars and rising stars just demolished in, in an instant. What is an interesting point is that the following year, this same rock and roll tour, my father... Uh, who was a rock and roll singer back in the 50s and 60s and then a different kind of singer uh, through the you know 70s and beyond uh, was on that tour he did the same tour the year later uh, with a bunch of other people and you know in, in the US and Canada and all of that stuff just kind of a neat little anecdote there but I know that that crash in 59 affected a lot of people devastated a lot of people certainly devastated the music world and then, again, I'm skipping over a lot because you have to, but you have the infamous 27 Club. And sure, you can, you can also have a 32 Club, I discovered, and, and God knows, pick a number, you could probably have a club there too. But it is pretty significant that so many well-known musicians died at the age of 27. And I did a little research and found a list that was over 75 uh, items long, and went back as far as 1892 to people who, musicians, uh, who died at the age of 27. But if you know it, we know it as kind of really taking shape in 1970 and 71 when Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and Jim Morrison all died at the age of 27. That was just made such an impression on the world that I think that's kind of where it started. But the year before that, in 69, Brian Jones of the Stones died at the age of 27. And then skipping forward in time, you have Kurt Cobain, you have Amy Winehouse. And uh, like I said, the list is over 75 people long. And, you know, so any um, or many of those may have affected you and devastated you. There will be a couple of those that I will be talking about, in particular Kurt Cobain in a future episode. Uh, you know, then... After the, the early 1970s, what's the big one? I mean, there were several in the 70s, you know, tragedies. But what's the big one? 1977, Elvis. Not as young as some, but still, you know, young-ish, middle-aged at most. Tragic, you know, uh, death. I was old enough to have remembered that instance but because I was not as immersed in Elvis and wasn't as huge of a fan, it did not affect me the way others have. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. Um, the following year, you have Keith Moon and then you have John Bonham. I mean, these are two uh, drummers, mega drummers for mega bands, just iconic drummers for iconic bands that, that died within a couple of years of each other, I believe. And right around that time, and they were both 32, by the way. That's where I came up with that number. 
Uh, right around that time, you have the Leonard Skinner crash, which I watched a documentary a couple of years ago and did not realize that there were several people who survived that crash. So just think of the just the horror of all of that, the, the deaths and the survivors, what it did to the the not just the people who died, but the people who lived and the band itself and the and the music moving forward and all of that. Um, in, in newer kind of music, Ian Curtis of Joy Division, you know, kills himself because he was sick and depressed. And, um, you know, uh, that band morphed into New Order and, and all of that. And, of course, Sid Vicious. And, and so, you know, kind of going along in that vein. But then you have Marvin Gaye, who was shot by his own father. Moving forward even more, you have, you know, Freddie Mercury uh, died, of, died of complications from AIDS. And then you have uh, Selena, such a huge tragedy that movies have been made about it. You, um, Aliyah. Someone that was that was kind of shocking to me, even though again I didn't know much about her, really really young, and um, the you have a George you know George Michael and people like that, and and then the people I mentioned before that I've done episodes on, all the way up to when it really just started to blow up when Bowie died in January 2016 and Prince died in April 2016 and then Chris Cornell of Soundgarden in 2017. And I'm going to be doing actually um, episodes, uh, volumes on all of those three for sure. Uh, pretty sure Bowie, uh, but absolutely Prince and Chris Cornell. Uh, and the point here is that's a very small list. I mentioned or alluded to, if you count that list of 75 I mentioned, uh, not even 100 people out of thousands. And what's the point, right? Death, death is death. Loss is loss. People will die. They will die young. They will die old. They will die tragically. They will die of quote unquote natural causes, you know. Well, the point is what, what strikes a chord with you or with me is what matters. So when someone dies, and I've said this in other volumes here, but it bears repeating, whether it's someone you know or someone you identify with in some way, like a musician or an actor or you know someone else, a writer, if it hits you, it matters. It all matters. But if it hits you, it matters to you. And my hope here is that for other people who were fans of the people that I am talking about, have talked about, will talk about, fans of John Lennon in particular here, that these episodes will help us kind of mourn together and talk about it together and, uh, you know, express some of our even emotions about it and certainly our thoughts. Um, like I said, the immediate loss of the future, of possibility, of reunion, of renewal, of hope, the the taking away of a vibrant, creative and an existential energy, you know, the, the finality of it all. Uh, when you're talking about somebody who even, let's say, we know John Lennon was getting to another part of his career when he was going to start to create like crazy. I mean, let's talk about, while we're here, a little bit of, of the music. So he put out some solo stuff before the Beatles even broke up, but then blew up when he put out Imagine in 1971. He had a decent run through 75, and then he took a break for many reasons, uh, one of which is he had another son, uh, Sean, who was a great musician in his own right, uh, as is Yoko. Um, and let me just say right here for the record, anybody who feels like rehashing old crap 
about anybody really, but in particular about John or Yoko or the Beatles or any of that, um, put it in the comments. Go ahead. But I am going to categorically disagree with all of it because I think that that is the opposite of connection. It's division. And a great majority of it is bullshit and it's misogyny. But that's a side note anyway. After 75, he took a break from music and uh, jumped back in like crazy in 1980. He claimed partly because of the uh, you know album that um, Paul put out at the time and that and that one of his hit songs coming up. And uh, I, th I think that was the one that kind of spurred him on to say, oh, well, he's doing, he's doing great. I actually like that, that he's doing. I'd like to do some of that myself and had been, I'm sure, writing anyway. Started recording, recording, recording here in New York, you know, where he lived for quite a bit of his late life. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've passed by the Dakota building and, you know, passed by where Yoko still lives and, and all of that and, and uh, you know, been down around where Sean lives and, you know, living here in New York. A lot of legends here. And, you know, as as you may know, and like I said, I won't get too much into this walking home from recording session. Mark David Chapman was actually so-called fan who a guy, I believe, got a sig even an autograph from him earlier. I, I think that day or the day before. Like I said, not a historian. And then shoots him, etc., etc., and he dies. Um, like I said, I can barely still, I still can barely go through it. Uh, anyway, before he died, not only did he finish this album here for you listeners out there, I am holding up uh, in front of the Beatles Complete Scores book, um, the album, oh, sorry, I put, no, 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 that's right, they're in the right order, I just picked up the wrong one, Double Fantasy, you know, which was partly called that because Yoko's contributor here and there are songs of hers on here, etc., etc. Um, this was released, I think, before his death and, you know, starting over was the big hit there. But uh, the, the B side of that was Kiss, 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 which when I was a kid scared me. <laughs> but listening back to it, I'm like, this is a this is a damn good post-punk song. It's a really cool punk song. Uh, give me something I like I'm losing you I love that song everybody loves beautiful boy watching the wheels another big one woman excellent excellent song um and uh, yeah walking on thin ice I actually really like that song too um you know and I think this is a reissue so it had because it has Central Park stroll dialogue on here and stuff like that and there's some great pictures in here but you can find them online but uh, while he was doing this double fantasy session, he did a whole bunch of other songs that were not finished or released, but were close enough to being finished that a few years after his death, they released another album called Milk and Honey, which for you listeners here, uh, I'm holding up. And I remember being so psyched when it came out and also really loving it. And this is right around when Julian Lennon had a, his a couple of hits, like Too Late for Goodbyes, and I forget what the other one is. Um, and so hearing his voice and how uncanny it was that at the time he sounded a lot like his father. And then this album comes out, and I want to say this was 1984. Uh, but again, please don't quote me on that. Uh, and, you know... I was so pleased to hear the new songs because I thought that had John been alive, he would have made another impact 
on 1980s popular music. And this was kind of his way of doing that and the, and, and the people who were, you know, uh, curating his legacy like Yoko of helping him to do that when, of course, he couldn't. And it's partly because there are some songs on here that I actually think are some of my favorites of his uh, that I thought should have been on the John Lennon collection, um, but are not. And the, and there, I'm stepping out. That's a that's the opening track. It's a fun one. But the one that I loved and uh, loved and still love is the song "Nobody Told Me." Nobody told me there'd be days like these. Strange days, indeed, most peculiar, Mama. Um, is a song that I plan to cover at some point, both live and probably in recording, because again, it's not the one you would think, oh, cover a John Lennon solo song, Everybody Does Imagine, or Mother, or, you know, so many of his other great songs, which I'll, I'll get to in a sec. But this is one where I'm like, oh no, people need to hear more of this, because it's a bouncy, fun song, but it also has some wisdom to it and some cool lyrics. And I think his performance is great. So it's, again, all I'm saying is look up all of his stuff, but don't forget Milk and Honey. It's a, it's a worthy album. And then you get to, uh, you know, let's just talk about some of his big singles. Uh, John Lennon Collection, Yes, Give Peace a Chance, Instant Karma. I, you know, love the slapback reverb on that. Power to the People. I actually like even better than Give Peace a Chance. Whatever Gets You Through the Night, I believe was a thing where, and I want to say it was Elton John, and they had this kind of fake rivalry where he Elton was like, if you, uh, or I forget, John was like, if you get a number one, I, I you know, I'll, or I'll record a num you know, number one and you'll sing with me or something. I forget. Okay, sorry. And, um, it did go to number one, and it's got a blazing sax solo on that. Mind Games is cool. Happy, happy Xmas. Yep. And imagine Jealous Guy, all these famous ones. See, they don't even have Mother on here. Uh, Stand By Me, his cover of the Ben E. King uh, song. Uh, starting Over, of course, and Woman, and I'm Losing You from his last album, Beautiful Boy, and Watching the Wheels from his last album, and Dear Yoko. Uh, Cold Turkey is the last one on here and I think it should be the first because it's one of my favorites and when I do my tribute concert to the Beatles solo work the two Lennon songs I've chosen to do are Cold Turkey and Nobody Told Me uh, and I just it's just such a I mean a warm and cool song all at once and just and it's just one of those like deceptively simple songs absolutely worth looking up also, don't forget that he was part of David Bowie's song Fame, among other collaborations. Uh, and that song was cool already just because it's a cool song and because it's Bowie, but it's even cooler because they did it together. Uh, yeah, and that's, and I mean, that's generally, that's my talk on JL, on John Lennon. Um, I, you know, want to talk a little bit about as always, the influence here, and sure, he influenced me, and let's even set aside the Beatles, which are a huge influence on my work, whether you can hear it or not. The thing about Lennon, as juxtaposed with McCartney, as they always do, although they're you know equal geniuses in my book, just different, is that they always said he was raw and more honest. And, I, and I've said before that I think it's possible, possible to be honest and, and, and uh, deep in a pop song that's polished. Okay, 
But uh, delving into John Lennon's work and his ability to create pop songs that were were both raw and and you know personal, very personal and personally honest. That's something that I've always gone for. The rawness, not always, but that personal honesty and especially the plain spokenness in the lyrics, that is huge for me. Everything that I have written in the last God knows how many years, it, that, that, that's my, you know, to be, have, be able to have a musical and lyrical impact, but do it in a way that doesn't have to be overbearing or floridly poetic or in some way, you know, meaningful in quotes you know, kind of hyper meaning and all of that is not for me. I, his, his ability to throw almost, geez, I mean, confessional, yes, but kind of diary like lyrics out there and, and yet craft them in a way that they came together to form awesome pop and rock songs is something that I go for all the time. And you can hear that in a lot of what I do, but especially in a slightly older song, Some Things Happen from Parts and Labor, link below, also on every single streaming service and at recarea.bandcamp.com. And then a more recent song from the album Sympathy for the Weird, uh, Lost Found. Those are very personal lyrics and very plain spoken lyrics. Uh, I think you'll get a sense of what I mean when you listen to that. That's my band, Rec. These are songs I have written and I always appreciate you uh, diving in both to the artists that I talk about and to the music of my own that I talk about. Uh, do you remember Lennon's death uh, at the time? Remember what you were doing, as they say often with John Kennedy's death? Do, did it hit you? Did it hit you in the way that it hit me? Were there other musicians that hit you harder, their death that you are, the, the you know, cult of Elvis, and even Bob Marley and, and people like that? Are there other musicians that they're, whose deaths devastated you the way John Lennon's devastated me? I want to know all of this. I want to hear your comments. I want to know what you agree with or disagree with because as always, my objectives here are music, conversation, and connection. Thank you for listening and watching and reading and clicking and sharing. And I'll talk to you next time. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.